Blog Talk Radio. And 16, 6, 16, 16, and uh, glad to be with you tonight uh, for this 7 to 9 p.m. show. It's going to be packed uh, with a lot of info and a lot of uh, uh, interviews and uh, guests uh, going to be with us. We'll have William Redfish Barger to join us uh, around uh, the 730, uh, and then also uh, who will concurrently join him is uh, Greg Miller, the head football coach at Louisville, Texas, uh, who's a star pupil. Tyrell Shavers uh, just recently committed to the University of Alabama. Uh, he's a big time wide receiver, six foot six, uh, runs a four three eight forty. And Coach Shavers is at a seven on seven tournament tonight, but is going to be good enough to join us at seven thirty for a few minutes. Look forward to that conversation, and uh, we're going to bring you an interview uh, this hour with Jamar King as well. I know a lot of people are wanting to kind of know what his situation is. I was able to sit down last week. Uh, on Talking Ball and talk to Jamar King. Wanted to bring you that audio as well. And in the second hour, uh, should be packed. We're going to have Rodney Orr coming on with us at 8.30 uh, to discuss the uh, baseball coaching hire and, of course, what's going on with Alabama football. We've got an uh, OLDL camp coming up. And, of course, uh, it's never boring when you're covering the University of Alabama. And, of course, in football, today was thought to be maybe a a watershed day for Hootie Jones and uh, Cam Robinson. Uh, and everyone was waiting to hear kind of how that uh, that that uh, court date went today, but it didn't come off as as uh, as the world turns. Kind of, there was a sickness of one, with one of the attorneys, and the date has get going to be rescheduled. Thomas, uh, never boring when you're covering the University of Alabama. Yeah, but Drew, you know, you're not an insider. You just get all your information off Tider Insider. Come on now. Yeah, man, I get <laughs> I get all my info from Twitter. And from what others tell me, but I have I have a question with that logic. If you if someone tells you something, that's how you get information. Someone has to tell you something. Uh, the people have to, it's called communication. And of course, there's a lot of twerps on Twitter who hide behind usernames who uh, wouldn't know their butt from uh, from a hole in the ground who uh, want to accuse you of a lot of different things. And I'm just trying to pass on info. I've never fancied myself to be an insider. I just want to, you know, inform the Tide Nation when I hear something. And uh, But, again, there's always critics. You're never going to please everybody, and it's easy to take shots because you're never going to be 100% right in these situations. And uh, the baseball search has come to a close, Thomas, and I know you're breathing a sigh of relief from uh, your second alma mater, uh, South Alabama, and your home city of Mobile. Mark Calvey is still a Jaguar. Alabama hiring Greg Goff from Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I, I have to say that I, I kept up with the subplot throughout the day while I was doing some classwork, and uh, once it became clear that Calvi was staying, I obviously was happy because, you know, 
one of the fun parts is my lab is five minutes from the baseball field. So I can literally step out of my lab and go to a baseball game during the spring. It's kind of fun. So, you know, as a South Alabama guy, I'm happy for that. And I'm interested to see, I know that, uh, over the past, let's just call it past baseball season and leave it at that. There's been some, uh, let's call it consternation coming from the good folks at BAMS radio, myself included. And I'm hopeful that this new guy coming in will, uh, get the program going in the right direction. You know, yeah, he's, uh, he's been solid throughout his career. And, uh, you know, once you take a closer look at him, um, I, I do think it's a pretty good hire, uh, overall. I, I thought Cliff Godwin was a sexier hire and because he'd been in the sec as an assistant at LSU and the recruiting coordinator and assistant head coach at Ole Miss, he'd done an outstanding job at those two programs in central Florida. And just, you know, he was one swing away from getting his team to Omaha. They were one hit away from sweeping, uh, Texas tech and, and getting to the college world series, uh, for the first time, but couldn't quite pull that off lost and. I believe it was 13 innings and then turn around and lose um, the next day, 11, nothing, but still quite a run for East Carolina. Uh, he was able to put out the defending national champion, Virginia and win their regional. And I just thought they had, uh, they looked really good and, and it looked like it was going to be Cliff Godwin. I've been hearing that for several days and it looked like that around lunchtime today. Uh, but he ended up turning Alabama down, decided he wanted to stay at ECU. I still think with Alabama's money and resources, you can't let that happen. Uh, but Bill Battle, I was told from the start, liked Greg Goff. And the three finalists for the job were uh, were David Pierce uh, at Tulane. But what really uh, – and they finished uh, second in the uh, regional at Ole Miss uh, with Boston College winning that. But what really uh, kept him, I think, from becoming the head baseball coach was he had a $500,000 buyout. And I'm not sure Alabama wanted to to do that. He was already making a half million dollars. So I, we haven't heard salary uh, uh, numbers for golf yet. You know, I, I had heard from someone in Ruston, Louisiana today that I actually was uh, that I actually spoke with. Uh, you know, there you go, speaking with someone. Uh, but and he and he tweeted out that he felt like the Alabama job was going to pay 450 to 500 grand, Thomas, and he was making 110 at Louisiana Tech. So Louisiana Tech really couldn't uh, you know deal with that. And, and again, once uh, Cliff Godwin officially turned it down, um, and I, it would have probably taken 700000 to get Godwin. I, I do wish Alabama could have gone there, but they didn't. And, I, again, I'd heard Battle liked golf a lot. And one thing he did say, if you remember, we talked about it, I think, last week on BAMS, is in his statement for the search, he wanted somebody with Alabama ties, and not really to the tide, but more to the state. And when you look closer at uh, Greg Goff's resume, uh, back in the uh, 2000s, from I think 04 to 07, he was the head baseball coach at Montevallo, and they had the best success in the history of their school, going to the World Series and finishing third in 2006. Well, you know that that that's that's good to hear. I'll be honest, Drew, I haven't had a chance to look this guy up as much as you obviously have. So, any any information you can give to the folks, the the, the let's call I'll call I'll be the Bama neophyte for the for this part of the show. Yeah, I is appreciated. You know, it's good to hear that Bama's getting somebody worth a worth a rip because I kind of agree. It, it stinks that Alabama couldn't eat a half million dollar buyout when Nick Saban essentially you know farts and Alabama makes that much money, but you know. That's if that's the game in town, and that's how they felt. Then we'll go for it. And you got to hope that again they can use the forty-two million dollar facility to its peak. Because I believe personally, 
if you have a game in town, and when I say game in town, I mean a competitive sport, Alabama fans will come out of the woodwork. I mean, you only need to look at the fact that Alabama has been setting and resetting records at Road Stadium for the past several years to know. But we'll see. And we're, we're I can say I'm hopeful. Fair enough. It's about as hard as I can go. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm a little disappointed because I wanted Cliff Godwin, but everybody's going to support Greg Goff. And, uh, again, he won at Campbell as well, the Campbell Camels uh, in the Big South. They, they, they did not have a winning uh, – They I think they had won maybe uh, 11 games the year before he took them over, and he was there several seasons. In his last three, they won 40 every year, including the conference tournament. And, uh, he, and then he went to Louisiana Tech. They were horrific. I think they'd won 15 games uh, the year before. He won 25 his first year. Then this past year they won 42. So he's turned down around some really uh, – programs that were downtrodden it's just not the sexiest hire but i will say this to equate it to something uh years ago thomas when they hired jim wells in 1995 uh the greatest baseball coach in my opinion still in the state's history sammy dunn at vestavia hills who won a national championship in nine out of 11 state titles in 6a turned down alabama because they couldn't give his wife health insurance because she had cancer and they ended up turning to jim wells and that turned out pretty good so we'll see. I mean, you never know. And it also cost Alabama his son Casey, who went on to be an all, uh, you know, a great catcher at Auburn, an all-star player, and is now the head baseball coach at Samford. But still, it's going to be interesting to see. And this this uh, hire will define Bill Battle in a lot of ways. That and Avery Johnson. Avery's off to a you know a promising start. Uh, Christy Curry seems to be turning around the women's basketball program. So we'll see uh, where this goes as far as baseball. But I, I, what I really believe happened is they, they did offer Cliff Godwin. He turned it down. Uh, they probably didn't uh, give him enough money. And, and, again, the elephant in the room, and uh, you use that analogy as an Alabama fan, is the fact, Thomas, there's no doubt that the scholarship situation is tenuous in the state of Alabama uh, because of uh, the lack of the state lottery. It is an issue, and there's no, they and they – they they usually don't waive out-of-state tuition as well. So with the 11.7 scholarships and not a lot of other ways to bring guys in on other, uh, you know, uh, special kind of uh, academic scholarships and stuff like that with state lottery-funded scholarships, you don't have as many uh, ways to bring in talent or have as many players at your disposal. So you have to get creative. And uh, that was going to scare away some coaches as well. Yeah, and you you hope that, that can sort of get massaged away, but I, right. I, I somehow it's one of those things. It's hopeful, but you doubt it because you're getting into politics and PR and all that, all that nastiness. Because you're not you're not talking about specifically athletics. You're talking about you know admissions, and that those are as someone who has been through multiple admissions departments. Those are two very different things. <laughs> <laughs> they can be very interesting, no doubt about that. Uh, but I wanted to go ahead and bring the listeners a conversation because we tried to hook up with him last week, as you know, uh, Jamar King, uh, the defensive lineman who is still trying to gain his academic eligibility to come to the University of Alabama, Thomas. And we uh, tried to reach him, but he, his cell phone had issues and couldn't get him on the program. But I was able to get him on Talking Ball the next morning uh, when his cell phone, uh, when he had been able to work through those. And we had a really interesting conversation about where he stands and how he got to this point. And I wanted to bring that conversation to the listeners and let them hear from Jamar King, who I think 
because of the depth uh, at, at, in the defensive line. They need some guys to come in and make an impact. He should be here in August, but I wanted them to hear from Jamar King, the native of Detroit, Michigan, who should be here at the University of Alabama in just a, in, in just a few short weeks. Uh, and uh, the next guest that we're honored to be joined by, uh, all the way from Ukiah, California, as he continues uh, to finish his academic career at Mendocino College following an outstanding two years on the football field. Uh, but it's Alabama signee Jamar King. Jamar, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm doing good. What about you? Hey, it's a pleasure to have me. Yeah, we really appreciate it, my friend. We know you're continuing to grind and work hard to uh, reach your dream of uh, playing for the University of Alabama. And, and you are a, a, an interesting story because you didn't take uh, the usual path that most do uh, to the gridiron. I guess, first of all, for our listeners that may not know, kind of talk about uh, you know where you grew up and uh, and and uh, in your journey to get to this point because uh, football wasn't the foremost uh, part of your uh, uh, career, especially in high school athletically. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Um, like you said, you know, football wasn't always my sport. Uh, you know, I was a basketball guy. I played basketball all the way through high school. Uh, I think I started playing football probably my senior year. Right. And uh, so, I mean, after that, it kind of just lingered off because, you know, like I said, I was a basketball guy. You know, basketball was all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, go ahead. And I was going to say, basketball, you thought that you were – I know you uh, you grew up in Detroit, a Michigan State fan. That's not surprising. Tom Izzo, Hall of Fame coach, a, a great man. I know you wanted to play at the highest level. But it kind of – but you were able to uh, at first play uh, uh, some college basketball, correct? Uh, no, not quite. I kind of um, I kind of started at a JC for right. college basketball. There but... you go. I never, um, I never got a chance to play, or you know, um, it was, it was basically something happened where you know I wasn't able to play, so mm-hmm. I kind of, um, kind of um, left that alone for a couple years, and yeah. then I, yeah, I kind of picked it back up when I got back out here to Mendocino. Mm-hmm. And so I guess uh, when you had to kind of leave the sport, you uh, just kind of let the listeners know you for a few years you 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 uh, went uh, to, into the workforce, correct? Yeah, I mean I had a situation where um, my my father became ill. Yes. You know he he had a triple bypass heart surgery, mm-hmm. and uh, you know my mother lost her job. So uh, I mean I kind of had to um, take a hold of a foot and you know just really help out. Yes. And uh, that, that's completely understandable. So, how many years were did you uh, did and did you work to help out your family? Uh, I think I first started working in, I want to say, 2010, almost 2000, the beginning of 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so. and and then uh, kind of and can pick it up from there. You, of course, you graduated from Denby High School uh, back. And what year did you graduate? I graduated Denby in um, 2008. 2008. So you you put in several years on the workforce, and kind of what uh, once you uh, you had to help out your your mother and father. What kind of what 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 helped you get who and who helped you get back uh, to giving athletics another shot? Uh, I mean, I was in the plant. Mm-hmm. You know, doing automotive parts, and uh, you know, 
it's hard labor. It, you know, it's like anybody my age or younger, you know, that's something, you know, you want to do temporary, not, you know, make it a long-time career. Right. But, you know, a lot of people do. But, I mean, I felt the need, like, you know, I felt like, you know, that was something I, you know, they want to do for the rest of my life. So, I mean, first and foremost, you know, I came back to school to try to better my life, you know, um, oh, yes. get a degree aspect. And, you know, once I got to Mendocino, I was like, you know, I'm going to give football another try. You know, but I was I was thinking, of, uh, but I had, uh, I was thinking about doing that, like, way before I even started about, thought about Mendocino. So, I mean, football was something I always just sat back and I kind of admire. Like, I'm a Michigan State fan. <laughs> And, you know, <laughs> and I'm also an Alabama fan. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that is. Kind of, uh, and kind of clarify that for our listeners, too, because uh, you grew up in Detroit, but you have, and we've been talking about Muhammad Ali and his uh, funeral today, uh, but you have a family connection to the state of Alabama and a very prominent one uh, in the boxing world. Oh, yeah. Um, like I say, my pop's uh, from Alabama. My grandmother's from Alabama. So, you know, I got... I got cousins, I got aunties, I got brothers, I got sisters. You know, I got a long line of family um, around Tuscaloosa, um, Birmingham. You know, I got a, a wide stretch of family down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know uh, you also have a relation uh, to the uh, heavyweight champ- the current heavyweight champion of the world from that very city of Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, that's my cousin. Deontay Wilder, of course, who is slated to fight in Birmingham come July the 16th, his next yeah. title defense, and uh, and I know that's got to be very exciting. And uh, and, and I know uh, it, now that the way everything's kind of played out for you, it almost seems like it was fate with all your connections to the state of Alabama in a way. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I wouldn't say it probably was, you know what I'm saying, like um, – I, I talked to my cousin when I was down there um, during the season. Right. Well, not during the season, but during my visit. Your official visit. And he, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I kind of talked to him, and he was like, you know, um, he said, Alabama, great school, you know, but like I told him, you know, I'm not going to help him make his decision because, you know, everybody's got their own mind and make their own decision. Right. Absolutely. So, and then, and then uh, I guess to, to circle back, when you, uh, what, who, who was there? Someone that helped you kind of find Mendocino? Because I mean, you're in Detroit, Michigan, working, and uh, you're going, you're flying all the way across the country. How did you kind of find Mendocino, and had to, and were to, to restart your career? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I had a friend. Well, you know, he's like a mentor. Right. It, you know, he kind of played at Mendocino a, a few years. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, way before, and I ever thought about Mendocino or ever heard about Mendocino. <laughs> but yeah, he played there, and um, I told him, you know, I was like, I'm thinking about going back to school, you know, thinking about giving football a shot, see where I can take it. And you know, he kind of referred me to Mendocino, so I talked to the coaches, Coach Espy out at Mendocino, and his brother, um, Coach Tyrell. I talked to um, Tyrell first. And, you know, he kind of gave me a little information, a little background. You know, Mendocino at the time was a great opportunity, you know, to get my foot in the door. 
Yeah, it was, and and you uh, pretty much, even though you had taken years, several years off, of course you had matured physically, but you uh, had some success right away on the gridiron for them. Oh yeah, I mean, once I got to Mendocino, it was kind of a broken team. Um, you know, the SB just became the head coach, so I mean, basically it was just like starting a whole another um, team up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the guys that was there before me, you know, they were some good guys, but, you know, they we wasn't together as a unit as far as a, as a football team supposed to be. So, I mean, we kind of struggled our first year. Mm-hmm. And um, so my first year playing, um, you know, I kind of got a feel for Mendocino. So my second year out here, you know, I wanted to um, be the person to really make a change for the team, you know. Right. You know, by me being a sophomore of the second year, I want to kind of, like, set it apart where the freshmen come in and really be expecting a real football program. So, I mean, I kind of stepped up and, you know, did what was needed in order to uh, have a semi-successful season. I mean, it was way better than last year. We, The guys I played with, it was, uh, you know, we felt more – you know, connected with each other. Absolutely, and you uh, and and you've made a lot of strides physically. Kind of tell everyone uh, how, the kind of weight you put on to become an even more dominant football player. Uh, I actually didn't put on weight. I don't know. I don't know how they. Know. They must have got that switched up. I kind of lost weight. Oh, did you? I I thought you had uh, put. I know you had. Uh, you I thought you played around what two eighty five as a uh, sophomore. Yeah, um, my freshman year, I came out here. I was, um, I was pushing three hundred pounds, pounds. Oh wow! Okay, so that. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of. Um, so you got in year, shape. Yeah, I kind of dropped weight a little bit in order to maintain. And I know you uh, got you, uh, coach. Uh, the coaching staff there did a great job developing you because you put up really good numbers. Uh, as a sophomore, you ended up with 63 tackles in nine games, 23 and a half for loss, which is spectacular. Nine sacks, and uh, were really the, it was the defensive player of the year in that Pac-7 conference. But uh, just kind of talk about the, what what the coaching staff, how they helped you develop as a player. Oh, uh, I mean, I had a great defensive coach, Coach Roy Thompson, mm-hmm. and you know, Coach SB, Coach um, Tyrell. You know, they was just they just stayed on me. You know, just like they do any other player. You know, they, you know, they. Coach Thompson is good at picking out, you know, where you're weak at, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, trying to develop your skills. And uh, same way with Coach Espy. You know, they just a bunch of guys that's hungry. You know, that want to succeed. And um, you know, they just kind of nitpick that what I need to improve on. And you know, we went from there. And then talk about how your meteoric rise. I mean, you had taken several years off, and then within a couple of years, you go from really being an unknown guy, older at 26 years old, but then you start getting recruited uh, from coast to coast, Oregon, Alabama, Ohio State. But kind of talk to our listeners about how uh, Alabama found you. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was kind of crazy because my first encounter with Alabama was over Facebook. Ah, okay. You know, and uh, I could, during the recruiting process, they 
you know, Coach um, Jody Wright, he kind of uh, sent me a message. Well, it wasn't even um, – it was Jody Wright and um, Tosh. Mm-hmm. Tosh, Coach Tosh you know, the boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so they kind of hit me up, and it was kind of shocking because I've never been recruited or – I've never been through that process, so you know I got the message, and I'm like, wow, you know, are you a really, are you really a coach at Alabama? Or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, is this a joke or something? So, you know, he was like, yeah, man, Nick Saban really loves your tape. This and um, he's going to give you a call. You know, he want to come out and see you. I'm like, man, wow. So you know, I told my coach, he was real excited. You know, I'm real excited, and I'm amped up, and I'm like, I'm finally get a chance to meet Nick Saban. Yeah, and then that's another tie because as you, when you were growing up, he was at Michigan State, and so yeah. and so you knew him, you knew him from there and from Alabama. So what was that like when he actually showed up on campus to see you? I mean, hey, it's like meeting the president, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nick Saban, you know, he's the grandfather of football. You know what I'm saying? Every every program he's been to has been a successful program. You know, so to meet somebody that good or that great, it's like, like I say, meeting the president. And what was his message to you on the visit? What did he What did he relay to you? I mean, he just kind of told me, you know, he he was real impressed, uh, you know, with my tape and you know where I came from and what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, he say, you know, there's not too many guys that you meet that's, you know, really um, driven. You know, especially by me being older or coming from Detroit, you know, it's not a lot of people that's that's um that would take that path. So I kind of feel like I was, you know, the turning point for a lot of opportunities. Absolutely, and and then I know uh, he, he, from what I understand. Yeah, he 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 took a few shots out on the basketball court. Uh, was, yeah. was it now now? And for the listeners, you still competed on the Mendocino basketball team too. Is that correct? Yeah. And uh, so I know that's one thing Coach Saban looks for. From what I understand, he likes the linemen to be athletic enough to play basketball. So what was his? What did you guys? What did he talk to you? Did he talk to you about your basketball experience? Uh, I mean, he kind of he kind of said something about it, um, but he didn't really go too much into details. Um, actually, when he came in, I was just getting out of basketball practice, and I was ah. just changing my clothes, so I didn't kind of see him shooting the shot, you know. But a couple of uh, a couple of my teammates was like, "Yeah, man, he was in there shooting jumpers," and even a couple of them said, "I didn't even know who that was." <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. To have Nick Saban in the Mendocino J- Junior College uh, Gymnasium, but he does like to play basketball. He was a point guard uh, in high school. But uh, and I guess, and, and finally, uh, just talk about your visit and, and when you went, uh, when you officially visited Alabama. What was that like for you? I mean, when I officially visit, you know, the city of Tuscaloosa. I mean, I've been there a couple times before, so. I mean, but I'd never been on Alabama campus. Right. So, I mean, it was it was a lovely campus. It was a nice campus. You know, I enjoyed myself on a visit. I got a chance to walk on the field, you know, just got out there and imagine myself playing on it. So, <laughs> I mean, it was a great visit. I had a good time. You know, the visit alone really kind of helped me in the decision because, you know, as anybody know, when you making your decision on where you 
want to attend for the next year or two. Mm-hmm. You know, it's certain stuff you got to like about the school. So, I mean, I felt like that was a big part of um, my decision-making. And uh, how do you see yourself fitting in as a player? I mean, a guy that will come in, give energy, you know, a guy that's going to come in and give 100%. And uh, what what kind of skill set are you going to be are you going to bring as a defensive lineman, and how do they see you fitting in? On um, the skill, I mean, I can work on my pass rushing skills more, and you know, I can I know they'll help me develop that. But I'm also you know a run stopper. So as far as D line, I mean, I can bring like I said a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of um, skill to the D line. You know, as far as helping out stopping the run, rushing the pass, or whatever it is. And what is your current height and weight right now as you uh, are finishing your academics at Mendocino? I'm 6'5", 290. Mm, so you got the, you look like you're in good shape to get down there. And, and uh, what have you got to finish up? I know, uh, and do you uh, do you know yet when you're going to be able to enroll? Um, As of right now, I'm looking for, I'm looking towards July. Mm-hmm. The beginning of August, mm-hmm. um, I got a class that I have to finish up over the summer. So, right, yeah, I'm trying to um, get that out the way because, I mean, I took a I took on a full load of classes to try to um, get out early. So, I mean, then it didn't uh, plan out. So, yeah, I have to take a summer class over the summer. And I know you've probably been in constant contact with the staff as to uh, when you're going to be able, but you should be fine academically and and be there for the for uh, the entirety of fall camp, correct? Yeah. And uh, and, uh, and and last question, just uh, what most are you looking forward to on this journey? I know. Do you ever just reflect a little bit and how far you've come in such a short period of time? Oh yeah, every day. I mean. For um, it's uh, what I say. It's been two years, two and a half years. You know, for a change like coming from a plant, you know, working the same daily routine, seven hours. I mean, eight hours a day. You know, seven hours a week. I mean, seven days a week. It's just to come out here and you know, kind of have a relief on life. You know, just really let a lot of stuff go and let football really take care of most of it. You know, it's. I look back, I wake up every day and think like, wow, you know, I came far in two years. I know. You know try to set more goals. Mm-hmm. And now you've you've seen Nick Saban up close at Mendocino. What's it going to be like your first day on the practice field watching Nick Saban work? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know a lot of people say he a mean guy, but, <laughs> I mean, if you there to handle your business, you know, it is what it is. And then finally – uh, your impressions of Carl Dunbar, the defensive line coach. Have you have you gotten a chance to get to know him? Um, I mean, I just talked to him um, one time over the phone. Right. You know, we had a little short conversation. Um, I really didn't. I did a little um, a little research on him over the internet. That mm-hmm. was about it. You know, once we talked, you know, I told him. Um, I did a little research on him. You know, he was fine. He was cool about it. You know, he kind of laughed. Mm-hmm. But he thought I was coming out of high school. And oh, I wow. Him, like, yeah, I told him, no, I'm coming from a junior college. So, And uh, uh, do you know what number you're going to wear for the Tide? Uh, no, I'm not even sure. Well, we, 
we we appreciate it, my friend. We appreciate it, Jamar, for joining us. Uh, uh, we know we're all anxious to see you. They've, they've got a big need for depth on the defensive line. you got a chance to come in and play. That was Drew DeOrman's conversation with Jamar King. And, uh, Drew, I have to say, that was very enlightening, very interesting. I, I, I have to say the very end, laugh, I started laughing. I had to very quickly <laughs> mute myself because it was like, Coach Dunbar thought when I was in high school. Yeah, he's learning the players too, man. He hasn't recruited in a long time. And it was good of Jamar to, you know, join me last week and uh, kind of catch everybody up on his progress and, it's very interesting, too. He was a two-sport athlete in junior college as well. He still played basketball, and uh, that's where Coach Saban was watching him on the basketball court uh, when he came for a visit. And can you imagine? That's got to be crazy. Uh, they don't, I'm sure they don't draw big crowds at Mendocino Junior College. And, uh, and then yeah, all of a sudden, one day, Nick Saban's in the gym recruiting you. That's pretty, that's pretty uh, insane. Uh, that had to be quite a thrill for the, the coaching staff over there and Jamar King, who was working in a plant just a few short years ago and uh, decided to you know, go back to school and play football and basketball. And it's led him to the University of Alabama. Hopefully he can get his academics in order and, and uh, get there in August. I think he's got to take one class. But good luck to him and uh, enjoyed the conversation. And I know we've speaking of conversation, we've got on our hotline, uh, William Redfish Barger got a chance to listen to the end of that interview and join us. And, William, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing a lot better after that interview. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I figured you would enjoy some of the end of that with Jamar King. I, I told Thomas when he uh, reached out to, to get you on online, I was like, let him listen to the last few minutes of Jamar King since you were supposed to sit in with us and interview him last week. We couldn't get a hold of him. But, uh, you know, he's he's been on quite a journey and – Hopefully he'll be able to get to Alabama and provide some much-needed depth on the D-line. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I think the part that, uh, you know, amused me the most was Jamar kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, there there was a a, a rumor out there that, you know, Nick Saban was a mean guy, and he has no idea just how true that really is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's why I was. I had to ask him, what are you going to think about watching Nick Saban work in practice? Because it's going to be a, you know, a complete, a completely different uh, situation. And I, I know it'll probably be kind of a rude awakening for him, but it's kind of cool that he does have family in Alabama, of course, with on his father's side, and that he is uh, related. He's a cousin of Deont- uh, Deontay Wilder, so that's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how Jamar thinks about uh, things in Tuscaloosa with the Alabama coaching staff. Uh, the first time Nick Saban frisbee throws his straw hat at him in practice. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be quite an event. I've uh, got a chance to sit through a few of those, and I know you've sat through a lot more than I have. It's going to be an education for the young man, no doubt. And in just a couple of minutes, William, we're going to be joined by Greg Miller, uh, the head football coach of Louisville, Texas, and looking forward to speaking with him and. He's built quite a program over there, and I know you're excited about uh, Terrell uh, Shavers, his pupil. Yeah, and, you know, the the, the thing that I want to ask him, uh, you know, more than anything, because um, it just absolutely baffles me. Um, you know, when you go back a couple of years and, and you look at a guy like Doriel Green Beckham that, you know, a lot of people had as the number one player in the country, and, you know, he basically had the same measurables as, as Shavers does. Um, and, and was not as fast, you know, top end. I mean, I think that's the number one thing um, that sticks out to me about this kid. 
is that, that he ran that 438 at a Nike camp, which for, you know, the people that are listening, um, those are all, anytime you see a Nike camp involved where somebody's run a 40, it's laser time. It's not handheld. And, you know, right. for somebody to be six foot six and 200 pounds and, you know, run that well and, you know, has a 36 inch vertical jump, you know, let me put this into perspective for you. Um, you know, the, the guy that, you know, caused, you know, all of, of the Alabama nation, so many problems for two years. And I'm talking about Mike Evans, the, the, the big, tall, thick wide receiver from Texas A&M. Um, you know, he was a guy that was a four or five guy, you know, kind of a high four or five guy, maybe even more safe to say, you know, a legit, you know, solid four, six flat guy. But, you know, when you're that tall and mm-hmm. you can, you, you've got a 36-inch vertical jump, let's just take the 40 out of it, um, that's impossible for even an elite five-star cornerback that's six-foot-one to cover. And, you know, when you factor in that, that top-end speed that, that Shavers has, um, I, I, I'm just sitting here going, uh, okay, who are all the people that have rated him a four star? They should all be fired tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that, William, uh, we do have Coach Miller with us now on the hotline. Uh, he's at a seven on seven tournament in, I believe, the state of Texas. But Coach uh, Miller, uh, how are you doing this evening? Welcome to Bams Radio. We, it's a pleasure to have you tonight. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks. I'm doing fine. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. And uh, we know you've been, you've built quite a program at uh, Louisville, Texas. Uh, I was just kind of looking at your history. Uh, you spent quite a few years uh, at, at Katy, Texas, which is also a powerhouse in the state. And uh, I guess for our listeners who may not know uh, about your history, kind of talk about how you got to this point in your career. Oh, man. Well, uh, this is my fourth stop coaching-wise. Uh, I did spend 12 years at Katy High School down in the Houston area, West Houston, and they have had a program that has been top notch since uh the late eighties really. They went they've been to state uh probably twelve, thirteen times. Um and just the, the twelve years that I was there we went to state six times. So that's averaging every other every other year. Uh my parents and my family all lived up in north Texas and so I made the move up here when the Louisville job opened up and, and I this we're starting our fifth season right here. So that's kinda of my personal history. Go ahead, William. I know you had a thought. Well, no, Coach, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your uh, wide receiver that has, uh, you know, recently committed to Alabama and, uh, you know, get your thoughts, you know, just, you know, walking into this thing just to let you know I'm a former uh, Alabama offensive lineman and, so you know, certainly I'm a, uh, you know, a biased participant in this whole conversation. <laughs> but, uh, you know – when you look at something like that, you know, you're his coach. You know, I'm just curious when you look and see how some of these national recruiting guys, you know, have rated him. You know, I think the thing that jumps off the page to me more than anything is, you know, obviously he's got the height, he's got the length. Uh, yeah. When you look at that four three eight laser time, certainly he's got the speed. Uh, does it does it kind of make you stay, take a step back and, and wonder how uh, the people that make a good living in the recruiting industry 
um, have chosen to rate him maybe a four star instead of a five star? Uh, you know, that's their that's their job. I don't really know how, what goes into that. I know they've come by and looked at him. I, I would say in their defense, um, we didn't have in in the history that he's had here. We haven't had that slinger back there that could really get the ball out to him. Um, you know, he had a thousand all-purpose yards last year, uh, receiving wise. He was probably up close to 800. And our quarterback uh, we had last year was more of a point guard. He's our lead rusher uh, on the team, and and he was the kind of guy that dropped back. And if it wasn't if it wasn't just absolutely pretty, he he wouldn't throw. He wouldn't make the throw. He was a very intelligent guy, and he wouldn't he wouldn't take chances, which hurts you sometimes. Um, Tyrell. As a freshman, when he walked on campus, and I, I talked to him as an eighth grader, uh, you know, just to make sure he was still coming to Louisville and this and that, because you know sometimes people move away or whatever. And uh, right. he was the first day on the first catch I saw him make on campus, freshman, and and it was a layout catch. I mean, it's about as as long as you can reach and get it, and and baseball slid, kept it off the ground, and this was in shorts and t-shirts. And I said, man, that kid is—he's something. He's—he's he's better than what I thought he was. And then, the next couple of uh, the next couple of years, you know, he just—we just didn't have the numbers to him. But I've been telling people, you got to get on this guy. You got to get on this guy. And then when he went down there and ran that four three eight, and they did, then you know, and they don't believe us because you know there's a lot of guys out there that are going to sell you a kid. And we, you know, I don't sell people. And I know there's a lot of good coaches and good people in the business that don't sell kids, you know, and I'm going to always tell you the truth. And most of the guys down here are going to tell you the truth on these guys. But, you know, everybody that walks in and sits down with a coach is going to hear about some kid that could play for you. And so he probably just didn't have the numbers, probably didn't have a ton of highlights, but uh, he's incredible. I mean, he's a, he's a, uh, you know, he's six, six, he's ever been a six, six. And that's probably the number one thing that the recruiters ask when they come in and say, is he really six, six? I'll say, let's take a walk. We'll walk up the cafeteria, and the first thing they see when they see him is he may be six seven, and the, the kid hasn't shaved yet. You know, I know his last name's Shavers, but I asked him yesterday. Uh, I just we kind of had a debriefing after he came back from Alabama, and just kind of talked about what it's going to be like, and and you know the things that he need to be prepared for, and uh, he's such a great kid. And I asked him, I said, How many, have you been shaved yet? He just smiled and said, no, sir. So he, he's just going to grow and get bigger and bigger. He's going to be an amazing fit at Alabama. He's got a very bright future in football. I'm real excited about him being a farmer this year. Well, Coach, let me ask you a question. Obviously, you know, you, you, you coach out in Texas, and, you know, it, it's no secret that that's, you know, probably the the most prolific place for high school football in the country. Um, you know, tell tell the listeners out there, in your opinion, um, you know, because you, you've obviously had him in the program for, you know, three or four years now. What what you think that the University of Alabama is getting um, both on the field and off the field with him? That's easy. Tyrell is, is a very high-character kid. He's a yes or no sir kid. He's got a great sense of humor, but he's not silly. Um, he's a guy that you can count on in a meeting. He's going to answer questions. He, he's a, he's a leader. Uh, he didn't turn the, he didn't turn the show on when the recruits, um, and then on the field, he's, he's such a competitor. Um, I think I have, you know, back to that previous question, um, Tyrell was such a rule follower for us. 
I'm pretty hard on them for getting penalties, and, and you know, like anybody is. And I've told him, hey, you know what? You need to play like you're 6'6". You need to play like you're the biggest kid out there. And he said, okay. And in the spring game and, and even in seven-on-seven seven here, he's he's almost bullying kids getting balls down. He's playing like a 6'6 kid, like he's the biggest kid on the field now. Whereas before, I think he's a little bit nervous about, you know, getting that pass interference call and putting us in a hole because we couldn't just get the ball right back at him. And we've got two or three quarterbacks right now that can get the ball to him, and we can start running the hitches and the bubbles and stuff and put the ball in his hands right now. Um, and it, it's, it's going to be outstanding. He, he's a great, great quality kid, got a great family, uh, plays baseball and football for us, is a hard worker. Matter of fact, the, uh, you know, he was with you guys out there Monday and Tuesday, and we started our summer lifting program. So he squatted yesterday for the first time in probably a month and a half because of the way our spring ball scheduled and then the end of school – and then we take a week off, and we start our summer lifting program. And he couldn't even hardly walk out there while we go. And I think he scored five touchdowns in the first two games. And I went down and watched the other group play. We've got two groups playing. And he was just—he <laughs> just—he just—it was unbelievable. He just—he's—he's he's everywhere. He just—he's good. They're going to get a good one, and, and he's going to fit in to that program so well because he's used to a ton of structure. He's—he's uh, he's used to of uh, you know high character and that kind of thing. He's not going to ever come out there and turn into an issue. Um, we had a kid that goes, he's going to UT, uh, Texas this year. And probably the biggest compliment that I gave him and as well the same one I'd give Tyrell is if, if Tyrell walked into my office and said, Hey coach, I'm taking your daughter to the dance this weekend or to the prom, I'd probably stand up and say, I'm paying for it because I wouldn't have to worry about what was going on. You understand what I'm saying? No, I I understand exactly what you're saying. And I think that's probably, you know, one of the, you know, the greatest benefits for Alabama fans that are listening to this show right now is, you know, you you have to understand and put into perspective just how important, uh, you know, having an elite talent like that under your nose for, for the number of years that you've had and how you've had an impact on his life, how you've developed him as a, you know, a young man both on and off the field. And, you know, I think you kind of hit the the nail on the head um, when you talked about how he's going from a high school program, you know, that had a lot of structure and discipline into it. And, you know, he's walking into, in my opinion, what is the most structure-based college football program in the country at Alabama. It sounds like it's a perfect marriage, Coach. Yeah, I think you're right. I'd agree with everything you just said. I really would. It's going to be – I'm, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy him while I've got him, and then I'm going to watch those guys up there just go do phenomenal things as a, as a program and, and watch him grow. And uh, I, I, the sky's the limit for this guy, it really is. I, I I couldn't say enough good things about the guy. I mean, he's not he's not going to turn into a knucklehead. He's not going to. I mean, he's probably worked harder since he came back than than he did before he left. Because you know, we asked him about some of those guys, and he said, "Man, those guys are big, coach. I got, I got to start working. I got to start, you know." And he's he's always worked, but now he's like, "Oh man, you know, I got to put some, I got to put some padding on. Those guys are gonna hit, you know." Well, coach, I mean, don't be a stranger now. I mean, I'm sure you're gonna have plenty of opportunities to, uh, you know, ride over from from Texas to Alabama and watch him play. Um, you know, this guy. Oh, you count on that. Well, you this guy's probably not going to be the last good one that you have come out of that program. And, you know, I personally think that that's the 
the reason that Nick Saban keeps going back out to that Texas market every year, almost on an annual basis now, well, and playing that. I'm sorry, the, the Texas no, no. the Texas market too is, you know, this state has supported uh, high school football. Uh, they pour money into it because they understand that you know, football and sports is really one of the last places in the world where a kid hears no anymore. And you can't go back and retest it after after that team beats you Friday night. You can't you don't get to go back Saturday and do it again with with more time or or take a review or do a retest or something like that. And I think our educational system here and Alabama does too. You got some great teams out there, and I and I think that sure. they give us the resources to do what we do. You know, I don't think it's any. You know, everybody talks about Texas football and this and that, but I'm telling you right now that if we were fighting some of the battles that some of these other states are. are fighting it wouldn't be like this it's not because of the coaches are better the kids are better it's because of the, the people that pour the resources in it to allow us to be better they really do so I well, let me ask you this everything. you know you're out there in the middle of it and let me ask you this you know you're, you're a an established you know high school football coach out in the state of texas um i'm, I'm probably maybe making an assumption um that you probably grew up in that state correct yes sir where are you from? I grew up in Bonham, Texas. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the landscape and, and what the, you know, the, the word on the street is out there right now with what's going on with Charlie Strong in Texas and Kevin Sumlin in Texas <laughs> A&M. Uh, oh, you, know, you know, both of those schools have, you know, boo coodles of money and can do whatever they want to. But what do you see that maybe kind of separates Alabama? You know, I understand as a coach you're going to say, you know, it's the wins and putting people in the NFL, that kind of stuff. But, you know, you just had this, you know, glorious prospect, in my opinion, that chose to go to Alabama. And it sounds like he's about as solid of a commitment um, as you can have. Why is this young man going to Alabama instead of Texas or Texas A&M, in your opinion? Oh, that's easy, man. Winning, winning's the best recruiting you can do. I mean, those trophies and those trophy cases, those national championships, rings. You know, Coach Saban and his legacy. Uh, all the way back, Alabama's Alabama. You know, it's just ever people in Texas they they know good football. You know, and everybody wants to win a national championship. Everybody wants to do those things, but. Uh, that's that's easy. I mean, if 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 Alabama had the same record as as the other two schools you talked about, then it probably wouldn't have been such an easy pick for him, you know. And Charlie Strong, I think, is a great, outstanding person. So we got to keep going down there, and and he's really enamored with Coach Strong and, and his character and, and that kind of thing, you know. And I don't know a whole lot about A and M and what's going on down there, but uh, uh, I think winning. You know, that's the main thing. I think this, we may not be having this conversation had they not been winning national championships. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I think winning is your best recruiting tool. When you add the winning to you know, if you're winning and you're at a school that doesn't doesn't have the, the legacy and the background and the, all that stuff that, that Alabama has, uh, you know, take Oregon. I'm not dogging Oregon, but, you know, they've won a lot of games. Uh, there's a lot of – people that have won a lot of games, but they haven't won a lot of national championships. And kids are smart. They know what they want to do. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, 
pride that goes into these um, commitments too. I mean, they, 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 it's not something kids take lightly when they commit like that, especially to a place like Alabama, because uh, you know there's there's a, probably a list of ten schools that you could write down that are that are the real deal, you know. And Alabama, obviously, at the top of the list. I'd say. I'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot. I'm gonna put you on the spot here, real quick. Okay. And this might you, you may not want to answer this based on you know where you work. In your opinion, which one of the two head coaches of the two biggest schools in Texas survives? Do you think Charlie Strong <laughs> survives at oh, Texas man. or Kevin Sumlin so. survives at A&M? I don't, man. I'm not even qualified to answer that. That's y'all's job. I, I, I said I sit on a chair like they sit on. I don't sit on a chair like you sit on. I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I keep my crooked fingers on the desk. I hear you, Coach. That's it's a great man. answer, too. And I wanted to ask you, Coach, I know you had a chance. You, as you said, you debriefed with uh, Tyrell today. Uh, he and his family went to Tuscaloosa. I know it was their first trip uh, to see the Tide campus and the environment and everything. What was his impressions of uh, the, the of it and it's and in, it's in, just the enormity of it all? I know it was probably a lot for him to take in. Yeah, it was. I know his dad had a uh, little experience playing college ball and, and maybe in the pros a, a few years, and so I think Tyrell's grown up kind of in an environment of of successful athletes. Um, and like I said, his parents are great people, and you know, I asked him, I said, hey, because, you know, he was playing f- baseball, and I didn't want to mess with him during baseball season about all this stuff. You know, he'd get 30 letters a day and all this stuff and people coming by. And, and uh, I said, we're just going to sit down. We're going to narrow this thing down after baseball, and uh, and then we'll start working from there. And he said, okay, well, he narrowed it down to the 10 uh, during, right at the end. And then we didn't really talk much about it. I know that they're – when he first got into it, he had uh, he had talked about uh, some of the other schools, and so okay, I called some of those or whatever. And then he never said Alabama. He never really said, "Hey, Alabama's where I want to go." Uh, he told me that he was definitely going to go visit out there. You know, I really thought he was going to end up somewhere, maybe in Oregon or something like oh, that, wow. that that was going to throw the ball all over the place. You know, and, mm-hmm. and right and the, the RPOs and all that kind of thing. But uh, I was I was very pleased, and, and I think it's a great, great fit for him. I think he's going to be outstanding, and, and uh, I'm proud of him. I'm proud. I think it's a very intelligent pick. I mean, you can't go wrong uh, going to Alabama. And, you know Coach, I know oh, yeah. I agree 100%, and I wanted to ask you, too, there was some speculation about him uh, being a two-sport guy or perhaps uh, – being a, having a professional baseball future, but I know uh, as a left-handed pitcher and a, and being six foot six and being able to throw the baseball hard, he could get some interest. But in your mind, is he is he more of a, a football player playing baseball or a baseball guy playing football? In my mind, he is a football player playing baseball, and uh, I think obviously because he's he's signed with or he's you know uh, committed to you guys. Uh, he has always played baseball. He's always loved baseball. He's always loved football. I don't think either one, you know, I think if you, if I came in today and told him, Hey, you'll never play baseball again. I think it probably hurt his feelings. Um, if I, if you told him, Hey, you're not playing football anymore ever again, it, it, he'd probably cry. You know what I mean? He loves both of them. Right. He just doesn't work as hard at baseball as he does at football. We had a, 
spring practices during the end of baseball, it kind of overlaps. We have 18 days in Texas where we can go full pass practice. You have to get it in in 30 days, so we're doing that. And we start about – there's about a week left in baseball unless they make the playoffs, so it would be two weeks. And uh, I'd look up out there, and they'd have baseball practice after school, or they'd have a game, and he'd come out before their games and be suited out out there trying to run routes. And I'd have to go fire him and <laughs> tell him to go back in. And you can come out and watch. You can put your shorts on. You can wear your jersey, but you're not – you know – and Saturday mornings we have scrimmages, and, and they had a rain out on Friday night. And he, had, he had planned on participating in the scrimmage, and it rained out, and they moved the game to Saturday. And I look out there Saturday o'clock at 7 a.m., and he's standing out there in his uniform. And I said, no, <laughs> you're going to have to quit. You're going to have to finish this baseball season, you know. And then, uh, well, I'm not pitching that, Coach. Well, it doesn't matter. You might have to pitch at the end, you know. You never know about baseball. It could go forever. But uh, I think he's a football guy. Uh, but but he loves both sports, you know. I know he would like to play both, but and I've, I've always thought that, you know, there's a lot of kids that do that. You know, yeah, I want to play both, I want to play both. And then they get out there and they see some of those older kids and they see some of those kids that they're banging on and they see some of those, the, some of the things, the requirements that it's going to play, take to play at that level. And he's, he'll say, oh, I think I'm going to the weight room. I think I'm going to, you know. Right. So that, that's, that's what I think. And we haven't talked about it much. Uh, he, he's a quiet guy. I mean, he – he has great conversations with everybody's around, but he's just not talking to talk. You know, he's a highly intelligent and, and he's a, he's a thinker. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's, how he feels about it. I hadn't really talked to him about it. You know, like I said he just got back, uh, uh, Tuesday and then, uh, yeah, I hadn't seen him. I sat him down yesterday and we had a really, really good talk just about different stuff. Uh, he's, he's right on point, just right on point. You know, kind of guy he is is, so look, everybody in the nation knows who you are. Everybody knows you're six six. Everybody knows you can catch. So every high school we play is going to they're going to do everything they can to take you away from us. And so what that means is what? And he said, well, everybody else is going to probably get more catches, maybe you know, get more attempts because they're going to be open. They're going to be banging me, and they're going to they're going to take me away. And I said, okay. And what I expect of you is when your buddies make a first down or they make a touchdown, I want you to be the first one over there and pick them up, pat them on the head, congratulate them for helping your team out. And he's like, oh yeah, no problem. You know, he's 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 just that kind of guy. Y'all are gonna love him. Well, Y'all are gonna be talking about well, him for a long time. Coach, let me ask you this, because obviously you you've been uh, you know deep rooted over there in, in Texas high school football for a lot of years. Um, and you know, obviously, I mean, you, you you guys have you know kids that come through there on an annual basis that you know go to Texas, go to Texas A and M you know, go to the smaller level, you know, Texas schools. But when you see somebody like him that's, you know, been blessed by God um, with the height, with the length, you know, with that 36-inch vertical, with that laser time 4.38 speed, um, do you kind of get the impression, because that's what I get out of the deal, that maybe he doesn't know just how good he really is at this point in time? Absolutely. What do you think his, you know, you know, you know, and you just confirmed what I was going to ask you, um, and I, I'm so uh, honored to have a chance to talk to you about this kid. What do you think his long-term potential is as a player? Because when I look at him on film, and you know, I, I look at that measurable, and I'm, I, you know, I've had people tell me that he's closer to six seven than he is six six. Um, yep. And I see that laser time Nike camp deal. 
Um, you know, I watched Mike Evans for two years um, at Texas A&M run a muck at Alabama, and he was really a, you know, a legit, you know, six five four six flat guy. Right. But this 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 this, this guy's faster. Um, not maybe as thick as Mike Evans was. Well, I mean, right. where 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 do you really see his long term potential as a as a wide receiver in the SEC? I think it's, it's unlimited. I mean, he's he's not a skinny kid. He's going to put on. I don't know what the average is for a kid when they get to college. I'd probably say at least twenty five pounds. You know, that first first semester, first year, because they always come back. You know, for a game on their open week, and you're like, holy cow, what have you been eating? What have you been doing? You know, you're a man. Sure, sure. Um, and he, I mean, there's no doubt to me he's going to be as thick as they want him to be. He can hold it. And he can do it. Um, and he's always been a worker. Uh, he's He has not been through – you know, we, we found him pretty good on the weights. But it's like the kid that went to Texas. I texted him the other day, and he said, oh, my gosh, coach, I've never done anything like this in my life. <laughs> and you can't until you get there, you know. It's, and you can warn them all you want to, but you can't till you get there. Uh, I think his potential is as high as, you know, I would never say it out loud because I don't want to jinx him, but I, I, I'm I'm planning on watching him play for a long, long time on Sundays. Well, you know, you know, one of the most interesting things to me, and I don't even know if you know about this yet, you know, when you're talking about how much weight those guys – you know, put on once they get away from you and they, they go to college and then they come back and, you know, make a visit. Uh, but this just came out today that, you know, Nick Saban is fixing to build uh, the the largest and the most plush uh, college football dining facility in all of college <laughs> football. It's going to be a $12 million uh, two-story, you know, palace. And why am I not uh, surprised? Well, you know, I'm not surprised either. I mean, uh, you know, this is somebody that, uh, you know, as an Alabama, a former Alabama player, I hated his guts when he was the head coach at Alabama, at uh, LSU. Uh, I've become a huge fan since he's been here. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? But, That's what winning does for you, right? Exactly, exactly. But, you know, he's going to be a part of, you know, the first group that goes through this, you know, two-story mecca complex and you know as well as i do uh the groceries are going to be top-notch you know five star <laughs> yeah. if you want right. to call it that uh but it sounds like he might be one of those guys that benefits from that thing more than anybody absolutely absolutely he, he, i'm telling you man he's going to be he you know you look at him anything got kids put together it will and he goes out and he runs routes and he does things and he runs around like a 5'11 kid he doesn't look like a big, long, gangly uh, giraffe or, or gazelle or something running around out there. He's he's put together well, and he can hold a lot of – I mean, he's put on a lot of weight. I looked at a picture of him when he was a sophomore the other day and kind of giggled, you know. And he's a little pencil neck kid, real tall. And, and uh, so now he looks like a man now, and he's not even close to his potential growth-wise. You know, he's going to be out there in speed camp and – running and training and all that, and eating like he's supposed to eat, and it's going to be – he's going to be phenomenal. Well, well Coach, Coach, I'm, I'm to sure ask... Drew and, and – hold on one second. I'm sure Drew and Thomas may have some follow-up questions for you, but, man, I really appreciate you. Well, I appreciate uh, you, too. You know, it's nice coming on the show tonight and, and, and telling us a little bit more about, uh, you know, this young man. Um, you know, you're, you're all the things that are right 
with 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 high school coaching. And uh, you know, man, I really well, I appreciate, appreciate having a chance to talk to you about it. Well, I appreciate that. It's nice of you say, and and uh, I appreciate that. And coach, one final from me to wrap this up. Uh, you, he's obviously a great young man. Uh, he's a balanced kid on and off the field. He sounds like, as you've been talking about how intelligent he is, he should be fine academically. Uh, what, do, do you know if he's going to try to enroll early or not? I think he is, yeah. He was uh, a baseball coach. Came to me the other day and said, hey, Uh-oh. I don't think Tyrell's <laughs> going to be here after December. And I said, well, man, you know, it's his. It's kind of his deal, you know. I'm not going to tell yeah. him not to go. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's probably going to be there in January, you know. And it's and I'm and it's a credit to you and your staff and the administration there at Louisville that he's uh, done the job, of course, on the field but off, and he's going to be academically qualified. We look forward to hopefully seeing him in a Crimson Tide uniform very soon in January. And again, we really thank you for joining us uh, from uh, taking the time out of your schedule for having us and when uh, and being with us. We really enjoyed it. Thank you, and have a uh, great thank rest you of too. your evening. Y'all have a good night. Absolutely. That that's uh, Coach Greg Miller. Louisville, Texas, and William, that's as good a conversation as you're going to have with a high school coach. Uh, Drew, I'm totally blown away. Um, You know, if I had a son that was 17 or 18 years old, uh, you know, I would want to transfer him out to Louisville, Texas right now. That that is everything that is right about college, um, excuse me, high school football. Um, You know, you know, Alabama's getting a great prospect in this wide receiver. Um, and you just got through getting to listen to why, um, you know, the wide receiver Shavers is, you know, one of the top guys in this recruiting class. What an unbelievable uh, high school football coach that, that he's had a chance to work with and, and coach. Hey, great, great stuff. It really is, and that wide receiver core that he's going to be a part of, he's the first piece, but there's going to be several more, it looks like, and could be. I mean, we've they, Nick Saban's had the Julio Joneses, the Amari Coopers, and now the Calvin Ridleys, but as far as the from uh, one through four, five, six, however many ends up being in the group, uh, it's going to be the most talented, it looks like, in his tenure. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, Alabama fans are, you know, kind of sitting around wondering how – you know, is Alabama really going to take six wide receivers, you know, in this recruiting class? And I think what you have to look at is, um, yes, they are, number one. Number two, they only took two last year. So right. when you factor that in, um, you know, they want to take four, you know, on an annual basis, and they only took two last year. So they got to play catch-up this year. And, you know, what a great year at that position for them to have to, you know, kind of double up and and make up for, um, you know, last year's class. And, yes, they are going to take six guys. And, you know, it is somebody like, you know, a Jeff Thomas that's kind of been put on, you know, commitment watch this weekend on his visit when he comes. You know, if he wants to say yes, they're going to take him. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, would that mean, William, uh, because uh, right now Townsend, Chedarius Townsend from Tanner could be a wide receiver or he could end up a DB. But if they take Thomas, does that affect anyone else? Or do you, in your mind, do they take seven? Well, you know, I think what, what you have to look at is the guys in the class, 
that, that have the ability to maybe factor in on both sides of the ball. And, you know, Alabama went through this, you know, a couple of years ago when they took our Darius Stewart. Um, you know, he was a guy that had the potential to, you know, play on both sides of the ball. And I never thought he looked comfortable playing safety. Um, right. Not even in high school. Um, you know, they, they tried to play him in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. He didn't look comfortable doing it. You know, you saw last year um, just how comfortable he looked playing wide receiver for Alabama. You know, the two guys that, that are, you know, excuse me, in the mix, you know, with Alabama that, that do look comfortable and fluid playing both sides of the ball um, are Archidarius Townsend and Jerry Judy. Um, yeah, Judy and, really know, does long, look good at defensive back as well. Good point. Yeah, yes. And, you know, as long as Mario Cristobal um, is at Alabama and as long as Jerry Judy is living with Calvin Ridley's foster parents, you can expect him to be at Alabama. Um, I would say that, you know, Chedarius Townsend and Jerry Judy are the two guys out of that position group that are going to be a part of this recruiting class. Um, that look like they're comfortable playing both sides of the ball. Yeah, they really do. Well, William, we uh, we really appreciate you joining us, and also uh, Coach Miller. This was kind of our first uh, go around as uh, as interviewing uh, together. We really thought it went well, uh, and I know you really enjoyed it. I know I did also, and uh, look forward to continuing to do this and continuing to have guests like this on the show. And uh, Coach Miller, what a start for us, and uh, we thank you for joining us and taking the time to be with us tonight. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate it. That's William Redfish Barger uh, as he joined us. And we're going to go transition right to another interview we have for you. Uh, We'll have Rodney Orr later on this hour. But I had a fascinating uh, conversation with the offensive coordinator, another coach, uh, but another, it was, it was probably about as fascinating conversation as you did with Coach Miller. Uh, but Brett Dudley, the offensive coordinator, O line coach, and assistant head coach at Antioch High School in uh, California. And if that sounds familiar, you better believe it. The number one player in America is one of his pupils, Najee Harris. And uh, Coach Dudley just spent. Uh, about three or four days in Tuscaloosa at Alabama's first elite camp, and I was privileged to sit down with him recently and for this conversation. First time we're on our program, and we're honored to be joined uh, by the assistant head coach and OC at Antioch High School in the state of California, and that is Coach Brett Dudley. Coach, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. And, uh, Coach, I guess first of all, uh, you, you were able to uh, work the camp, I think, for the duration from Sunday through Wednesday. You flew in. Uh, from the uh, state of California to the to the uh, to uh, our great state here in Alabama, and and what was your experience like? Oh, it was, it was a great experience. Um, you know, Southern hospitality. You know, you always hear about it <laughs> out here, but no, it's it's a real thing. Uh, everybody was very kind, treated us well. Um, I had a great time on the trip. Yeah, and uh, and I'm sure it, uh, for you as a coach, it was it enabled you to kind of learn and and, uh, and and broaden your game. Just kind of talk about the camp itself and uh, just how it was run and, and what what you were able to glean from it as a coach. Yeah, yeah. So um, camp was awesome. Uh, had the same format kind of throughout it. You know, each practice session would start off with uh, you know a big group warm up together and some exercises. Then it would go on to some running or agility drills, kind of like a circuit the players would rotate through in different groups. 
Um, after that, there'd be individual drills uh, for a half hour to 40 minutes, you know, based on position. So I work with the O-line. That's my specialty is offensive line. Um, so I was coaching drills, and we had like a circuit of drills they ran through where, you know, the groups are separated by age level. So there's a group for, you know, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. Um, and so as they rotate through the different drills, you get to coach them up on that specific drill for the practice. And then um, the skilled players would do a lot of one-on-ones and seven-on-seven after that for the camp and the O-line. We did our one-on-ones, you know, pass rush one-on-ones. Um, so that's pretty much the camp format uh, for the morning and afternoon practices. Uh, for the night practices, we play this game called Bama Ball. Nice. Um, I, don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you've seen it before. Um, kind of like rugby, but you can throw the ball forward um, as many times as you want to. So uh, it's pretty exciting. It's very fast-paced because the ball is moving around so much. You can, you know, right when the defense collapses on one person, they can throw it over everyone's head and, you know, keep it moving. So it, it's a pretty exciting game. Yeah, now I've I've heard a little bit about it. I have not been able to experience it. It does sound a little bit like rugby. It's a it's a high energy uh, situation. And and coach, uh, being uh, as you said, your your background is offensive line. Alabama has uh, has split their offensive line duties uh, for this coming season. Uh, Mario Cristobal, of course, has been with the staff for a few seasons. He is now moving to tackles and tight ends and uh, Brent Key from uh, Central Florida has come in to, to coach the centers and guards and I'm sure you got a chance to interact and work with those uh, two guys uh, what was your impression to them oh great guys uh, I spent most of the time with coach Key oh, okay. um, so definitely you know def- definitely picked some things up got a couple of drills I like uh, got some video of some drills that I'm going to go you know dissect now in the coming weeks and see what I can you know add on to, to my you know, practice plan and things I can do to make my kids better um, but the, the whole staff was just awesome. That was that was a great thing. I got to sit down with so many coaches and GAs and you know analysts and go over film and cut ups and diagrams of you know some things that I think that would fit really well with our offense. You know things that I could have for. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the biggest thing you get a chance to do at those camps is is in, in find new things to teach your players at Antioch High School, and uh, and and I, and I think that's one of the reasons Alabama recruits at such a high level. Coach Saban does a great job of of of, uh, of helping young high school coaches uh, work uh, and get better with his uh, camps, so that he did it both in, the, in his spring clinic as well. Uh, but did did you uh, what what I guess what was the things I know you you were with Coach Key most of the time. Uh, were you able to interact with Coach Saban at all? And did he did you learn, what did you learn from him? Oh yeah, uh, we actually got to sit down myself and our head coach came came with us on the trip oh, as well. Okay. So uh, myself and our head coach, we actually got to sit down with Coach Saban uh, in his office for a little bit and just talked, kind of got to know each other. Um, you know, he was very open. You know, and, and anything you guys you know want or need from the staff, you know, let us know. We'll get you whatever you need in terms of you know cut ups, diagrams, talking to people. Um, so he you know just a great host and you know it was nice to get get to know him for a minute. Absolutely, and uh, being there for as many days as you were, obviously, uh, your great uh, uh, one of your uh, uh, pupils was there, and as everyone knows, Najee Harris, the running back, uh, that's such a big part of your program. Uh, just, I guess, kind of talk about uh, you know how he performed and uh, and what he and, and his thoughts on the camp a little bit, because I mean, he's we know he's verbally committed to Alabama, but uh, it had to be nice for him to be able to to and with you guys to be with him to experience this camp. Oh yeah, no, it, it was great. Um, he's just an absolute freak. He's a beast. He tore it up. 
Uh, you see a lot of you know these elite recruits that will go to different camps and they they kind of sit out the whole time and just kind of observe and you know it's about them and how many stars they have that that's not the case with Najee. If if he's going to participate in something, it is 500% all out maximum effort. He's cutting people in line, trying to get more reps. Um, so that's just the way that he attacked the camp. He saw it as a chance to get better, keep working, you know, keep learning from some great coaches, and, and keep getting better. And that's all he's focused on is just being the best player he can be. Well, you know, I know he had a great time at the camp. Go ahead, coach. No, no, go ahead. And but I, what I was going to say is with Najee. Uh, I've watched film of him as well. I haven't ever had a chance to see him work out or play live. But uh, what what yeah, it, he looks like he has outstanding size on tape. But what did he measure at the camp? Yeah, he's a six two, and he's about two twenty five. Kind of just you know, give or take a pound or two here and there, just depending on you know what day I'm, I weigh him. But he's about six two, two twenty five. And uh, just and that's what's so amazing. I was going to say I was a little off. I would have guessed from watching him on film that he was almost six three in, in the two hundred twenty five pound range. But uh, watching him both in drills and just on film for you guys at Antioch, uh, he just moves like a much smaller player. Yeah, and and that I think that's kind of what makes him so special. Is you know, you know, there's been a lot of big backs, you know, to play in college and, and at the University of Alabama, but. I think his feet really separate him. His lateral movement, his cutting skills, you know, as it ties into his vision, are just absolutely out of this world. You don't see normally the 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two running backs. Their legs are so long, they're not capable of making those quick, sharp cuts that the little backs can. And he, he's just the most elusive thing I've ever seen in my life. Just his cutting skills and vision are, you know, I've never seen anyone like it. And then uh, a thing that amazes me is, he, of course, he's a great runner on film. But and I've heard other people, and of course, I know I talk to a lot of people in the recruiting industry, coach, and they talk about skill sets and everything. But just watching him uh, what, on video and then talking to people that have seen him in a camp type setting, uh, the thing that's amazing is, yeah, he's a great running back, but he looks like to me he has unbelievable re- skills as a receiver, also. Oh, definitely, and and that's one of the things that. You know, we've talked about as a coaching staff at Antioch, it's like, okay, to, to really maximize our offensive success next year, we, we need to do a better job of throwing the football to him. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that, you know, I was able to sit down with some of the staff members there and, hey, show me some of the best plays you guys, you know, run here to feature the running back in the passing game. So I was able to kind of dissect some film with them, go over it, and get some little tips. And, you know, it's definitely going to be stuff that makes our offense better next year as we improve throwing the ball to Najee out of the backfield. And, you know, he's amazing in terms of receiving skills. And and, and uh, just and talk about uh, the thing that what you just said about him always wanting to work, and if he goes to a camp, he's going to compete. As you said, some of these kids go to these camps, they just observe, they don't go, they don't work out. He doesn't seem like one of those guys. I guess for his first three seasons in your program, what has he brought to Antioch? Oh, he's had uh, – bigger difference on our football program than anyone in the history of the high school. Uh, Antioch High School had a strong football program back in the 70s and mm. early 80s, and then from the mid-80s through just a couple of years ago, really fell off, uh, kind of a struggling program. Um, but what Naj has been able to bring to us, especially the last two years, right. it's really turned the program around. We were actually, we were a 1-9 team Najee's freshman year. Wow. Um, just, just, it was just 
you know, it was very, very low talent level just overall in the program. Um, we had almost no senior class his freshman year. Um, we, we made a bunch of changes to our program when we saw Najee his freshman year. I, I, I was running the offense then, and we were a four-wide, spread-it-out team, and I saw, you know what, with this running back, I need to get into some heavier personnel sets, and we're going to pound the football because this kid's special. And so his sophomore, halfway through his freshman year is when we made the switch. We pulled him up to varsity from JV. We made the switch on our offense, and we, we still lost our last five games, but we were insanely more competitive once we made some switches. Um, you know, we weren't getting blown out. We were losing games by, you know, a touchdown. We lost one game in overtime by a point. Like, we were right there with teams now. And his sophomore year, we made a huge step forward. We won seven games. We won the first playoff game in 30 years at this school. Um, and then this past season, <clears throat> just continued to get better. Uh, we went 10-0 and in the regular season, which was the first time that Antioch High School has done that um, since, like, 1977. So it was a huge deal for us to go 10-0 and undefeated, win our league championship, um, made it all the way to the semifinals of the playoffs, which is the first, team our, first time our school has done that in over 30 years as well. Um, so it's made a huge difference, you know, obviously win and loss record, mm-hmm. but uh, what he's done to make his teammates better. I think that's, you know, they, there's an old saying about the difference between a good player and a great player is a great player doesn't just make himself better, he makes his teammates better, and Najee really makes his teammates better because as competitive as he, as he is, as much as he pushes himself to be better in practice, in the weight room, for conditioning, um, everyone else on the team has to match that or he's going to tell them. Um, I mean, if, when we run a sprint, if you're anywhere next, next to Najee, you better be running because <laughs> he's going to beat you and he's going to let you know he beat you and that you need to pick it up so you have a chance to beat him. And, I mean, you should see when we're running a sprint in practice, all the guys lined up near Najee, they're trying to shove each other off the line starting to try and get that little advantage because they're just competing to try and beat Najee in that, you know, they were running a 40-yard sprint. So it's made everyone better. Um, he makes the O line better, you know. As the as the guy, you know, I run the offense, but I specifically coach the O line as well. You know, he makes them better because where some running backs might, you know, if they, we get stopped, and we get stopped sometimes, you know, Najee's had plenty of you know zero yard gains, but you know, some running backs might freak out and start pointing fingers, and you guys need a block. Najee's the exact opposite. He's, you know, when we're at our worst on offense, you know, say we're struggling. He's at his most calm, and he's talking to the O-line, and, hey, you know, it's all right. You know, you guys get the next one. and You know, just make that block for me, and, you know, I'll do the rest. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. And, you know, he's always talking them up, praising them, and then he's the first one hugging them. You know, when he scores a touchdown, he's not dancing and showboating. He's, you know, praising his O-line for for their work. Um, We actually had this year, you know, a bunch of local media people at our football games filming, um, and they'd all want to be on the field interviewing Najee after the game. He would not do an interview without his offensive line, tight ends, and fullbacks behind him in the interview. Um, that's just the kind of kid he is. You know, very humble, uh, very appreciative of his teammates. Uh, we had a lot of blowouts this year where if he was out on the sideline in the second half and his, <clears throat> and his backup running back, you know, broke off a long run or a touchdown, he was like a cheerleader. He was the first one out there on the field running to congratulate him and high-five and all that. And that's the great stuff, Coach. And and that speaks a lot of him because in this day of social media and all this hype, 
uh, what's amazing about Najee, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. I've noticed that. And as you said, uh, he wouldn't do any post game in high school without his O-line fullback and uh, all his uh, teammates, uh, his offensive teammates behind him, uh, which is a, just speaks so highly of him. He doesn't do the Twitter or the Facebook stuff. He just sounds like he's a grinder that's just got unbelievable uh, will to be great. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. All he wants to do is get better at football, whether it's running, whether it's lifting, whether it's practice, whether it's watching film of himself. Um, I mean, every day after practice, like we just finished, wrapped up spring ball uh, before last week, and I always, you know, we film a press box angle, and I have a, one of my student managers film all of our offensive stuff with, uh, with an iPad right mm-hmm. behind the O-line. Yeah. So you're getting, or he actually, my, my filmer stands right behind Najee, actually. So you're getting that first-person perspective of the O-line, and I can't even get from our field to my classroom without Najee, you know, grabbing the iPad from me or from her, and he'll just spend a half hour, you know, he takes my iPad from me, he's just watching over and over and over, watching himself, seeing if he messed up on step, seeing if there was a hole that he missed that he should have cut up or something like that. I mean, I haven't even loaded it on Huddle for the kids to watch on, on at home or on their cell phones. It's physically still the raw footage on my iPad, and he just has it, and he's just sitting there watching it, rewind, 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 next play, rewind, 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 next play. So he's just, if he wants to do something, he's going to attack it with every single thing he has in him. Well, and from what I, I've never been able to experience it, Coach, but you did this week uh, for for four days. Uh, but I, I've always heard Nick Saban's camps are all about work, and uh, they want to see you perform for them. Uh, so this camp, uh, this four days, I know you had a great experience. This must have been uh, right up Najee's alley. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and it definitely was. Um, it was all work. I mean, I've been to a few different camps, you know, from colleges with Najee, and I've coached a few different camps. And this was probably the busiest camp I've ever seen. Just nonstop work. I mean, there was, there was, you know, your lunch break and your dinner break and all that. But, you know, if it was camp hours, it was on, people were moving, and just a ton of work getting done. And then uh, I, I wanted to ask about one coach uh, that would mean so much to Najee, I, I think. And I've had a chance to meet him and interact with him some. And I think he's the most underrated coach on Alabama staff and has done such an outstanding job. Of course, two Heisman trophies. Uh, with Mark Ingram uh, and uh, Derrick Henry. But talk about the relationship Najee uh, has with Burton Burns. I know Coach Burns, to me, is the best running backs coach in college football. Oh, yeah, Coach Burns is awesome. Um, Just great guy. You know, Najee loves him. Uh, They got spent some time together. We watched some film together. I watched some film with Coach Burns, kind of went over some running back things with him, like a a presentation, basically, that he gives, you know, the, the college players about you know, what they need to learn to be able to play for him in terms of ID in front and understanding defenses and understanding the play and understanding your reads and how defenses move and pass protection pickup and just kind of, you know, little things of not even getting into, like, the true playbook, but just little things of these are what, this is what you have to understand to be able to play running back for me. So he went through that presentation with me, video, you know, now you got to see some stuff and – no, they they have a great relationship. He's obviously you know an excellent teacher of football, an excellent teacher of the running back position. You know he's one of the best to ever do it. He's been doing it for a long time. So, yeah, he really has, coach. And and being as driven and uh, as Najee is, as you said, taking the iPad from you and just continuing to rewind and watch 
I know you, you inter- being the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach, you interact with him so much on a day-in, day-out basis. What is his uh, focus as far as for this final season of his career at Antioch High School? What is he wanting to work on to get better at in, 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 in his overall game? Oh, I mean, just everything. You can't even pick one thing. Um, he does everything well. I mean, obviously you've seen the highlights of him running. You know, everyone kind of knows his receiving skill set. Uh, he's actually our best blocker. He's an wow. unbelievable blocker. Now, normally he's the one getting the ball, so everyone's blocking him. But we're going to do some different things, you know, this season that, that are going to utilize his skill set as a blocker because, I mean, last season Najee outweighed three of my starting O line. Okay. So he's, he's a big boy coming with speed and power, you know, leading up around the edge, especially, you know, if we put him on a corner or something like that. Um, there was a few clips last year we, we'd run a jet sweep, and our base way of blocking our jet sweep is we'll put the running back on the corner, and he put a corner on his butt five yards out of bounds because that corner just didn't want any part of him, you know, coming at him with a full head of steam. So um, I know we'll use him more as a blocker, but there isn't one set thing that, oh, I have to work to get better at this because he, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to work to get better at everything. Um, he's going to be running in our track team run some summer workouts that they do for like junior olympics or whatever and he's going to be working out with them just because he still wants to keep working to get faster he's going to lift with me at the school he's going to lift with a personal trainer you know at night he's going to practice his butt off with the team and go to these you know all these all-star rivals and nike opening camps and he's any opportunity he has to get better you know he's going to take it and he just wants to be the best player he can be and coach i know you can clarify this for me uh is he going to return to alabama's camp in july uh, I don't know. It was, we talked about it. Uh, there's okay. no plan set in stone yet. It's yeah. very possible, though. Very possible. And uh, so he got in some great work, and uh, he sounds like he's definitely focused on uh, continuing to help uh, your program and, of course, himself. And I have a personal friend who uh, is a great friend of this show who played at the University of Alabama, but he is not a uh, sunshine pumper. He gives guys respect regardless of where they play. And he had uh, – I spoke with him last night, and he had as much – he had the highest uh, – uh, degree of respect for Najee that you can have. He basically told me he feels like, and he he's seen everybody. He's a, he he played at Alabama, but he also follows recruiting very closely as far as prospects and watches a lot of film. He thinks Najee is the best running back uh, to come out of high school since Adrian Peterson. Uh, no, he's that's pretty much what everyone's told me. And you know, when you watch him work out. You'll, you'll, you'll see what, what people mean. And, again, it's easy to watch the highlight and be like, oh, yeah, he can do special things on the field. It is everything he does off the field, not on Friday Night Lights, that, that makes you go, wow, this kid's special. That's how you know he's going to make it. Yeah, and, and, and Coach, and, and talk about him as a student. Uh, he's a very uh, – just, just seeing a few interviews with him uh, that he's done on video, he's a very soft-spoken young man. As you said, he's very humble. But it sounds like he's also extremely well-rounded. Oh, no, definitely. And him as a student, I mean, as, as hard as he works, you know, for football, you know, he works that hard for, for school, um, has just attacked his education, uh, spends a lot of time, you know, either study hall, tutoring if he needs help in something, um, doing, you know, any makeup work after school, staying after school. So his day doesn't end at 3 o'clock like, like you know, some other people's. It's nonstop work. We actually start in season. Our practice is later in the day. Because mm. Najee and you know a lot of his teammates, they'll go do tutoring or study hall after school uh, to make sure they're taking care of business. So he takes care of business in the classroom. He's 
never had any sort of problems, you know, in the classroom in terms of referrals or cutting class or anything like that. He's just everyone at the school loves him. Um, it's just it is unbelievable. Super, very charismatic. Um, he does come across shy and soft spoken in interviews. He he's a pretty shy kid until uh, you get to know him. Once you get to know him, he's just this big goofball, <laughs> very charismatic. You know, million dollar smile. You can't help but love him once you get to know him. And and coach. Uh, I know uh, it depends sometimes on the curriculum and how it's set up in high school. Is Najee going to be able to enroll early, or is he going to attempt to do that? Yeah, he's on track, too. That was one of the things with him, you know, I talked about how he's attacked academics. Right. Uh, He had a really difficult junior year to set him up for an easy senior year. So he was actually in, we have a seven-period day at our school, but most kids only take six classes, and that's counting PE electives. It's just six total classes most kids will take. Najee took seven classes this year, all of them difficult academic classes, one of them an AP class. He actually took senior year English right now, so he doesn't have to take it second semester next year as part of his early uh, graduation plan. So, yeah, he has just worked harder than any kid I've ever seen, you know, both on the field and off the field in the classroom. And, uh, Coach, I guess now, uh, finally, to cut, we're wrapping it up here. We want to thank you for the conversation. Great stuff and insight into his career. But uh, now uh, you go 10-0 and last year in the regular season. You get to the semifinals. Uh, I guess the the, uh, the mantra for your team this year and his senior class has got to be to finish the drill. Yeah, no, it definitely is. We're, we're definitely trying to keep pushing it. We want to not just get into the finals but win. So we have a, a different playoff format here in California we have – sectional files and mm-hmm. North Cal final and the state final. So we're, we're trying to push it. We, uh, we play some of the best teams in the state. We're actually playing uh, De La Salle High School, who I'm probably familiar with. They're a very famous oh, yeah. team from uh, Northern California. So they're, they've been our state champion almost every year since California added a state bowl game. And uh, so we, we schedule them in non-league this year. So we will, And we have a couple other you know, schools on our schedule that are typically in the top 10, top 20 in the state of California. So um, we're trying to, you know, play the best and make ourselves better, and you know, we definitely want to not just stop in the semifinals this year, but we're, we're definitely trying to go win a championship. And then, coach, uh, the last couple of questions uh, with the with the high profile of your team now, uh, will are you, and since we're down south here, we don't get a chance to see Antioch, but is there going to be an opportunity for some television where we might be able to see Najee play on t- on uh, live? Uh, yes. Um, that De La Salle game, it's on September 23rd. Okay. That game is uh, going to be on ESPN. I kind of thought maybe. I was I was going to yeah. go there to, to um, be in so De La Salle. I don't have yeah. all the details. I, I want to say it's going to be aired on ESPN2 or online with ESPN as well. Ah, okay. Um, we just worked out the deals with the, the De La Salle, uh, with their athletic department and everything. But, no, that uh, that uh, that's going to be a big one. Oh, it's going to be huge. It should be huge for your program and your kids and everyone there. Uh, no doubt mm-hmm. about that. And I, and finally, from from a perspective of Alabama, uh, who, what, which which coach has been recruiting your school for the Tide? Uh, coach Lupoy, Tosh. Uh, and now so he's yeah. Go ahead. He, he's from our area. He's from the Bay Area, so you know naturally makes sense for for him to work the Bay Area. Now, obviously, Coach Kiff and Coach Burns, they they've come by on you know during the spring eval period and visited and everything. Um, but Coach Lupoy has been the Northern California recruiter. I, I was hoping it would tie that in because he went to De La Salle, so that's a neat 
uh, kind of. Uh, oh yeah. Si- so so, so we we go back and forth a little bit on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I guess what makes him so special because I've heard so much about him uh, even from his days at Cal and Washington before he came to Alabama. He just seems like someone that's a, one of the elite recruiters in the country. Yeah. Um. Just just a workhorse, a grinder. Uh, I literally don't know when or if he sleeps at all. We, we were joking about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. At, at the camp because he is just uh, he just attacks the day you know with with the kind of focus and energy I talk about Najee having in terms of attacking football that that's how Tasha is attacking coaching attacking recruiting and I, I would say one of the best things about this week was I had always met met him and it's always kind of been coach Lupoy and it's been very business and mm-hmm. coaching and recruiting and getting to be there for four days this week and I told Tasha about this you know I got to spend some time with him and we hung out for a couple hours one night, and we didn't even talk about Najee. It was great because cool. the focus was just on us hanging out. I got to really know him as a person, and, you know, I just I felt, I told him, like, you know, my trust in you and the whole coaching staff has grown exponentially because, you know, Najee's like my son and my little brother, and, you know, seeing him go across the country, it's like, oh, you know, it, you know I was like, man, is he going to be homesick? You know, I don't, I'm going to want to see him, blah, blah, blah. But getting to know all the people that are going to be around him you know, I, I just feel so comfortable with those guys now. Um, and like I said, especially, you know, Coach Tosh, you know, getting to know him as a person and really just get to hang out was was, was awesome for me. I see that, you know, Najee's in good hands. No, absolutely. And, Coach, well, we really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you. This has been just an outstanding conversation. Uh, I always love getting a coach's perspective on a young man like you. And that was – the OC offensive line coach and assistant head coach at Antioch High School, Brett Dudley. Uh, quite a conversation there, Thomas. Uh, some insight into Najee Harris. And Najee doesn't like to do a lot of interviews, so talking to the coaches is probably the best uh, a way to kind of glean some info about the young guy. And uh, sounds like they had a great time in Tuscaloosa. It absolutely does. And, you know, the thing that really resonated with me was the uh, I got to steal the iPad before you uh, before you before you load it to huddle? It's like, what? but but it it it's not a big upload, but yeah. uh, got to do it because if I don't do it, get better. I mean, not, and that's not to make fun of Najee Harris. That's that's just I think it's awesome. Like I'm I I'm excited listening to that. And you know, speaking of Najee Harris, I brought up what John Garcia said on BAMS last week regarding Harris to Murph when we were recording uh, Alabama Scheme Team. Right. And Murph actually echoed, like, now that Murph had a chance to see Najee Harris, you know, live and in person because he covered the Rivals Five Star Academy thing, yeah. uh, uh, he echoed Garcia's comments. So what I can legitimately say was trepidation around the Crimson Tide Nation regarding uh, the – whether the commitment sticks or not has taken a decided shift now that some of the recruiters, some of the recruiting folks and folks have seen him interact. So it's really exciting. You know, obviously he's still got what eight months until he puts, you know, pen to paper and signs on with Alabama. But I mean, I can't, I can't say that I'm not excited. I think it's going to be a heck of a thing. Yeah, I really do. I'm excited to uh, get to, to finally get a chance to 
uh, hopefully see some more of him. And then the thing that it, it excited me near the end of the conversation, Thomas, is I had no idea they were playing De La Salle and that it was going to be on ESPN. That's some cool stuff right there. A lot of Alabama fans will be glued to the TV for that. Certainly. And I'm one of them. I will, I will be that guy. But, you know, it's just – it's good to hear. And it's it – you know, looking at both the uh, Coach Miller for Tyrell Shavers and, uh, and Najee Harris's offensive coordinator, whose, head is fl- whose name has flown out of my head, shows you how much I've prepared – it's not just that Alabama got commitments. These coaches both made it sound like the commitments are going to stick. And yet, yeah, yeah. And it's their job. I get that. You know, they they are they are not in Alabama's corner so much as they are in the players' corner. And since they're committed to Alabama, the coach is, you know, con, in a co- sort of convoluted way is committed to Alabama as well. But it sounds like these guys are going to stick, and that's a big deal. You know, something you want to talk about something that could be a lot of fun for uh, just to spitball. And Murph and I did a little of this on the Alabama scheme team. If you got uh, Nico Collins, the six-five guy from Alabama, put him with Shavers, and you had Miller Forrestall in in a goal not not in a goal line set in a inside the ten yard line set. I don't know how you defend a six-six and two six-five guys. <laughs> yeah, it's I, it's going to be really tough. I mean. You know, and then, I haven't seen a defense that did that. <laughs> it, it, yeah, you know, it's it's just it's it's fun to spitball. It really is, and I know we're fixing to have Rodney Orr, and if you're gonna in just a minute or two, uh, you're gonna get him on the hotline, Thomas, and we look forward to that and seeing him and uh, and and speaking with him because I know he's excited as I'll get out uh, about uh, Najee Harris too, and be interested to kind of uh, get a few of his thoughts, and then of course. Uh, We'll we'll get a couple of quick uh, takes on the baseball situation uh, with uh, um, Coach uh, Greg Goff, who is coming from Louisiana Tech. Uh, We'll be introduced tomorrow at a 2 p.m. press conference. Uh, I know the players have been invited, and uh, uh, and so uh, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to uh, to to hear Rodney's take on that and some football subjects because we also have the OLDL camp coming up also uh, for Alabama and uh, that's uh, going to be I think starting I want to say this Sunday uh, but we but I know uh, that it's going to be a big event uh, for uh, Coach Carl Dunbar and of course Mario Cristobal and and uh, and. Uh, and and the and and the and, the, uh, and Brent Carter, the new uh, offensive line coach uh, for uh, for uh, the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, so we we look forward. And uh, now we do have Rodney on the hotline. Rodney, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing well, Drew. How are you? Doing well. And I know uh, just real quickly to kind of wrap it. Looks like the baseball search is over. It was interesting, kind of following that today. It was a little bit of a circus and a roller coaster from this morning to lunchtime to after. Uh, well, Cliff Godwin was the hot name for a few days. Looked like maybe around lunchtime that may happen, and uh, looks like he may have turned Alabama down, and they end up with uh, Greg Goff at Louisiana Tech. Is that official? It's uh, been uh, reported by Tide Sports and Ben Jones, and uh, they, I've been told by a couple of people in the Grand Slammers that there will be a 2 o'clock press conference tomorrow. Okay, I got you. I didn't know if it had officially come out yet or not. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, it's been a kind of a different search, I guess. I, I don't know that much about Coach Goff other than he's been at Watek and, um, you know, has some pretty good credentials. 
I, I know that they wanted to go for an established head coach, it seems. And uh, I, like you said, I, I, I thought as of earlier this morning that from some indications I got was that it would possibly be uh, Coach Godwin at ECU, and then that somehow fell, fell through. So, um, But, you know, hey, this is an opportunity for a coach to come into a program that's uh, obviously got a strong name athletically and has had a good past baseball-wise in terms of the success they've had and certainly had a lot of success under Jim Wells uh, for many years. And, you know, you remember back 20 years ago, they went back-to-back to, back to the World Series uh, number one in the country, if you remember. And, you know, was it within a whisker winning the national championship? Was it, what, 90, was it 90, what, 97, 96, Drew, when they uh, yeah, played LSU? Yeah, 97, when they could have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, lost in the championship game to LSU. But, uh, you know, the, it's a program that's got a lot of potential. Again, I, I go back to the things that we've talked about on Tider Insider TV. And, and, Drew, I know you and I have spoken about them a few times, is this scholarship deal in college baseball, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's one of the most screwed up uh, things in terms of the rules. And and it's not not fair when you talk about the discrepancy in the number of scholarships some schools can get versus that, that, you know, they have uh, offer a lottery in their state and all of that stuff. And, you know, you know all the situation, but I I just think at some point somebody somebody really needs to address that where all this – it's an unfair advantage for some, and uh, it, in Alabama's case, it, it really hurts. So, uh, that, that I think that's one thing that probably, you know, hurt Alabama in their coaching search. I would think that certainly would be something that was under consideration by most of those guys. Oh yeah, Rodney, yeah, that's a great point. I, I, I was told that that the, the scholarship situation was going to hurt them with certain candidates. Uh, I wasn't surprised John Cohen stayed at Mississippi State with the situation. He, I know they don't have a lottery either, but they've, he's an alum there. They're spending big money on their facilities. It's really not surprising the year they had this year. And and uh, I know he's a Tuscaloosa native. That might have happened several years ago when what Coach Wells first retired, but when he was at Kentucky, but not now. And and then you know I was disappointed. I thought Godwin could have been had, and if maybe they had. And we don't we we don't even know yet the money that they've allocated to golf, but if they had spent the kind of money I was hearing early. But again, as you said, a point that I made to some people today, you made a great point about what Coach Wells accomplished in his time, and he was the second choice because Sammy Dunn had to turn it down because his wife couldn't be covered by Alabama medical insurance if she had cancer. So some sometimes you think you're not getting the guy, and he's a better fit. So you never know. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm not really comparing because I, I couldn't. I'm not qualified to compare, the, the you know, the Coach Godwin and, and uh, Coach Goff. I, I certainly not qualified to do that. But, you know, I, I don't know enough about either one of them to do that. But uh, I do think that, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, what he does to come in and kind of try to rebuild this program because it certainly needs uh, needs a shot in the arm for sure. Yeah, it really does. It needs some new blood, some new energy. Um, I, I think it's a pretty solid hire. When you take a closer look at his resume, he, he fits what Bill Battle had talked about last week, and he wanted somebody with ties to Alabama and not really the, the Crimson Tide, but the state of Alabama. And, you know, Coach, uh, Coach uh, Goff spent two, th- two, th- 2004 through 2007 at Montevallo on the Division Two level, and so he's seen the state of Alabama. He kind of knows the landscape, and he's won everywhere he's been, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But 
he should be introduced tomorrow. Going to be uh, interesting to see what he brings to the table. And, and Rodney, I, I've got to – now I wanted to kind of shift gears to uh, football, and I've had baseball in the brain. Let me correct something I said earlier. I said oh, oh, new O-line coach Brent Carter. That's a, He was actually a left-handed pitcher for Alabama baseball. I meant to say Brent Key. Uh, but Alabama will have their O-line, D-line camp coming up this weekend. And it's a big event for Carl Dunbar and uh, for Brent Key and Mario Cristobal as Alabama – they're going to need several linemen in this class. The offensive line class is looking pretty good, shaping up. D-line is going to start taking shape soon, I would think. Yeah, uh, you know, you would uh, certainly hope so because I, I think that the defensive line, Drew, is, is the big need, um, to be honest with you, of this class. I think they're recruiting extremely well at every position. You look, they've got two fantastic quarterbacks committed. They've got – you know, a wide receiver to Shaver's kid that just committed is, in my opinion, he's got tremendous potential out of Texas, six foot six. Uh, you know, they're going to get several, a handful of other really standout receivers in this class. I have no doubt about that. Uh, and, and like we said, the offensive line, they've done a fantastic job already there with Elliot Baker and, uh, and Alex Leatherwood. Two fantastic offensive tackles, two of the best in the country. One, the junior college player is Baker. And then, of course, uh, Leatherwood from Pensacola, Washington. But uh, they're going to get some more really good offensive linemen, I think. I think they have a tremendous shot at uh, Madison uh, Academy uh, standout, uh, Austin Troxel. Um, you know, they've got some other guys. Wyatt Davis out of California. Is a, is a uh, you know he's listed as a tackle by some, but I think he's a fantastic would be a fantastic guard prospect. He's one of the tops in the country. John Bosco out there in Bellflower, California. Um, I think Kendall Randolph from Madison, Bob Jones is a really really good prospect. Probably going to be an interior player. Um, I think he's listed as a tackle, but I think he'll probably be an interior player. That's just my guess. So I think they're doing really well there on that you know line of scrimmage side of the line of scrimmage with uh, those linemen. But, you know, on the defensive side, uh, right now, um, I, I think that uh, LeBron Ray out of Madison, mm-hmm. uh, Madison James Clemens is a tremendous player that I think Alabama's in great shape with. I think Ryan Johnson's another one out of Mobile St. Paul's who has got close to 40 offers that I know Auburn thinks that they've got or they feel like they're the leader. But I, I think Alabama's in real good shape with, with Ryan Johnson. That's going to be interesting. So those are two really good ones that uh, I would say keep an eye on. After that, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, a kill buyers out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, was here for their camp what, last week and did a really good job. And he's coming back with his mother on a visit uh, next month, well, when the Hoover has their seven-on-seven camp. And I think they're also having another lineman camp next month, uh, Drew, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're, they're doing two this year. You're right, Roddy, because they're, they're, they're just thinking that there's so much demand that this year they're going to do uh, two, which I think is probably a wise thing. Yeah, and I think uh, he's going to come back, and I don't know if he'll participate in that, but it's going to be, going to be around that time, Akil Byers. And, you know, there's some people that, that think he's a difference maker type on the defensive line. You know, Ohio State's offered, Florida State's offered. I know both those schools really want him. Alabama obviously, you know, has offered. Um, so he's a guy that I would keep an eye on. Uh, and then there's this I, – I really think that if Alabama, <laughs> excuse me, could find a really top quality junior college defensive lineman, uh, I, I think this would probably be a class where they'll snag one. 
Uh, Isaiah Bugs at a Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College is one that comes to mind. You know, Alabama's been in the mix. It's it's early. Uh, I know that uh, obviously Ole Miss, LSU, even Mississippi State, uh, you know, it's, it's been in there and, and many, many other schools, by the way. But uh, Alabama's also been in the mix as well. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I do think this is a time when if there's a really top-notch junior college player that has the ability to come in and play right now, he would probably be really wise to look at Alabama because his opportunities at early playing time are pretty much unlimited because they're going to need some people on that defensive front. And, Rodney, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to call him uh, ST because I'll just butcher his name. But uh, I know there's there, there's still been some yeah. talk of the 2016 transfer from Utah. Uh, I know on Tyler Insider the other day you were you – were, you were, uh, you, you posted on your board that that, that 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 hearing has been delayed. So is that kind of the hold up right, right. now? With, USC what he might do? think he, he, his first choice to transfer from Utah is uh, Tua Kalavatu or whatever he pronounces his name, Steve Kula, yeah. the Tua, Tua Kalavatu. Uh, his first choice is USC. And, right. you know, because he is out there on the West Coast, that's where he's, you know, his people are close to him uh, or nearby. And so that's what he'd like to do. But there's some some rule in the uh, Pac-12 that would prevent a grad transfer from making a transfer within the conference. Um, So um, that would have to be waived. There would have to be some sort of special waiver. I think USC thinks that they can get that waiver, but most people don't agree with them from what I've been told. Most people think that's going to be a tough, tough deal to sell. Uh, but I think USC selling him on holding out and waiting because they think they can get it done. We'll see what happens. But if 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 that doesn't work out, then I think you'll see him at, uh, immediately, you know, decide to come to Alabama. That that's my guess. Six one three twenty would be a nose type guy at Alabama. Would certainly be a guy that could lend some uh, reps, you know, in terms of depth and give him. An, he would have an opportunity to rotate in, you know, and, and give some of the, the front guys some uh, some rest. And, you know, they, they play those guys. You know how they move them in and out, rotate them, Drew. And, uh, so he could be, be a valuable guy for this this, uh, this next season. Yeah, he really could. And uh, I know, uh, as you already said, uh, LeBron Ray, you recently spoke with him on TiterInsider.com. And him, many people believe he could end up being the top prospect overall in the state by the time his senior season's over. Rodney, I got to tell you, you know, I live over, he lives over here near me, and I've been able to see him. And I saw him three times last year, and I liked him when he was a sophomore, but as a junior, he was just a completely different person. And the thing is, as I, as you have be learn, you're learning also following the, this recruiting cycle in 2017, he plays on one of the most uh, star studded defenses in the state of Alabama. Yes, he does. And uh, that James Clemens High School, that coach up there, I don't know that he's going to have a player like that at every level that he has right now. He has LeBron Ray at uh, a defensive end. He has Monty Rice, at linebacker, who's a fantastic player that Alabama's certainly got their eye on, as, as does many others, as do many others. Um, let's see. And then, and then Tyreek uh, McDonald. Tyreek McDonald. Is a, in my opinion, I love that kid. I think he's another Javier Arenas. Um, I like the way he ball hawks, and I think last year he had ten 
non-offensive touchdowns, if I'm correct. I know he had eight eight picks and four he returned for touchdowns. He doesn't just intercept passes and return them for touchdowns. He he blocks kicks. He picks up kicks and you know takes them in. He returns punts. Yep. He scoops up fumbles. He causes fumbles. I mean, I mean this guy. There is nothing that he doesn't do. You know, he's five ten, one ninety. I don't know what his legit speed is. He's probably not quite as fast as Arenas was, but he's got good enough speed, and he certainly has really good football speed. And he has a lot of great instincts, and uh, he knows where he's supposed to be. I like him a lot. I think he would be a great fit at Alabama in that star position, like Arenas played. And uh, mm-hmm. I just I just really like that guy. And uh, he's got a Bama offer now, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, you got you were the first at Tyler Insider to report that. Uh, I think this past uh, uh, a week ago, about on Thursday, I think this last Thursday, he got an offer, and uh, I know Florida State had been very, very interested in him as well from yeah. talking to one of the assistant coaches at James Clemens. He'd been offered by Louisville, Mississippi State. It's going to be really interesting to follow all that. I know LeBron Ray. I think Alabama's in outstanding shape for him if they. Uh, turned up the heat on Monty Rice. I do think they would be in outstanding shape. And I, and personally, my opinion uh, tonight is I hope they do. I really like the kid, but I do know they have other uh, linebacker targets that they like a lot, including a young man from Baton Rouge who uh, really uh, performed well at the camp and has been a priority really uh, for a while now. Well, Chris Allen's a fantastic player um, from Baton Rouge Southern Lab High School. And most people would mm-hmm. think there he is right in the middle of Baton Rouge. So he's, you know, definitely headed to LSU. And I'm not saying he won't end up at LSU. You never know. Uh, but uh, I know right now he favors Alabama quite a bit. And uh, so I think he's really a, an outstanding prospect to keep an eye on. He's about 6'4". I think he told me he was 6'4 and about 235, 240 at Alabama's camp. So uh, I really like him a lot, uh, Chris Allen. Keeping keeping an eye on him because he's really considered one of the top prospects in the country, and uh, he, he I think Alabama's going to have a fantastic uh, recruiting year at linebacker this year, and they need it. Yeah, they really do. They're losing some talent, and and then they're still involved with Robert Beal, even though he could end up with his hand in the dirt. Uh, but we will see. I know Bill was supposed to visit this week, and that uh, kind of got derailed. But we'll see if it, when he shows up again. But uh, it, it should end up being very interesting. I agree with you, though, Rodney. They've got two outstanding quarterbacks. The, the more you find out about Mac Jones, the, the kind of the better you feel about that situation. And well, then, I think he's uh, with, really good. Uh, he, he reminds me of AJ McCarron a little bit coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah. He, and, he, and, he, and you know, with the Bowles program, you've been following recruiting so long uh, that uh, he, they, the Bowles has been so consistent, uh, and they they uh, they're outstanding. And he's so he's been well coached. And then we know how good Tua Tagovailoa is. Uh, but and of course, a lot of people were uh, you know kind of assuming because Oregon offered uh, that that might be the end uh, of that situation, and he and he might flip from Alabama. But like we, you and I have talked about, he just committed a, mo- a month ago and has just spent several days in Tuscaloosa. So I, uh, you can kind of assume some things sometimes, but I think uh, Alabama's still got a really good shot if they continue to build the relationship with him. With Tua? Yes. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I haven't seen – you know, I saw, I guess, a couple of those West Coast guys and Oregon guys speculated 
whatever that you know. But right now, I would say that uh, you know I, until I see it, I, I think Tua Tagovailoa is, is solidly committed to Alabama. Um, you know, of course, things can always change, but uh, right now that's the way I would feel. I uh, also feel that they're, after this camp, when Najee Harris was here, the number one player right. in the country who's been committed to Alabama for a while, running back out of Antioch, California, I think that strengthened Alabama's chances. But, you know, you know USC, you know UCLA, you know um, Ohio State and all those other schools that are pursuing him are gonna, going to continue to, you know, really turn up the heat, especially as things go along, but I think Alabama's made a really strong impact on him, uh, impression uh, on his coaches at his high school. They were down here, several of them. Uh, I think you had one on your daytime show. And then uh, yes. also, uh, you know, I understand that his mother is very, very fond of Alabama and the things that she's seen of the program. So I think all that helps. And uh, one thing I would say, too, look, if you, I'm going to jump back to the other side of the ball real quickly because I know you're running out of time. Sure. But, you know, in the secondary, you talk about Kareem McDonald, uh, and, I, mm. and I really like him out of J- James Clemens in Madison. But, you know, there's so many guys that are recruiting back there that are top-notch talents. Alabama's ex- recruited extremely well in the secondary the last couple of years. But, you know, some of these guys that they're recruiting, I think they have a great shot at, you know, whether it's Sean Wade. Uh, who is committed to Ohio mm-hmm. State out of Jacksonville, Trinity Christian. I think Alabama has a great shot to flip him. He's highly regarded. And I say keep an eye on um, A.J. Terrell, too, uh, from uh, Atlanta Westlake. I think that he was here here recently, visited Tuscaloosa, and I, I think Alabama's moving up for him. So, um, you know, they're they're recruiting a lot of guys, and I think they have a tremendous shot to have another fantastic class. Yeah, they really do. Well, Rodney – we always appreciate the time. Thank you for giving us about 20 minutes tonight. The listeners of BAMS Radio always enjoy hearing from you. Uh, appreciate it. We know Titer Insider, the info is still free-flowing tonight. I'm sure it's been uh, – there's really no off-season ever for uh, Alabama football, and uh, you do an outstanding job of covering it uh, at TiterInsider.com. I'm privileged to be a part of it, and uh, we thank you for joining BAMS, and we've really enjoyed the conversation. Hey, Drew, appreciate you having me. Take care. Absolutely. That's Rodney Orr, everybody. As we are winding down, what a quick two hours it has been. Myself, the wizard Thomas Watts, uh, William Redfish Barger, our new permanent member of BAMS Radio. Uh, we want to thank Greg Miller, one of the best conversations we've ever had on this show. Again, Rodney with his recruiting roundup. And then uh, I hope you really enjoyed Brett Dudley, the uh, offensive line coach, assistant head coach, and OC at Antioch High School. Well, outstanding conversation. Then we did hear a week later – from Jamar King. We hope you enjoyed that. He should be on campus in August, ready to help the Crimson Tide hopefully win that 17th national championship. We hope you've enjoyed BAMS Radio. Good night, everybody. For Thomas Watts, myself, and William Redfish Barger, good night and roll tide.